Well, happy Wednesday. Come on. This is home. We are so excited that this weekend we are going to highlight and celebrate 15 years of ministry at the Journey Church. Come on. That deserves some kisses. Anybody like kisses? Come on. Oh, baptize that one. Huh? Was that? Uh, uh. I can't throw that far, John. Jordan, come on, man. Last one. Oh, wait, I do have one more. That's it. It's all the kisses I have. The rest of them go to my wife tonight. Okay. (laughs) These last 15 years have been a wild and epic ride. But the truth is, we are just getting started. There's more to do. Jesus has not come back. And so Jesus said to go. And the word go is an action word that requires us to keep moving our feet. To keep sharing the good news of God's amazing grace. But tonight, I want to take a few minutes and share with you a scripture that God has used to shape my life and ministry. Uh, This verse is everywhere. It's on pens, pendants, and Family pictures, it's on keychains, coins, and coffee mugs, not this one. (laughs) It's one of the top three memorized verses in the entire Bible, but it's often misused and misapplied because we, we make it all about me, myself, and I. And so the title for tonight's message is, It's Not What You Think. It's not what you think. Jeremiah 29, 11 is my life verse. And the verse God used to help our family step out in faith and move to Tennessee to start a business. In fact, God used that same verse again with Kara to confirm God's call to move us home and start the Journey Church. But I have to be honest, 15 years later, I have a greater understanding of my misunderstanding of God's Word. And so let's look at this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says, God says... For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God said, I know the plans I have for you. I declare them plans to prosper you. I mean, that should get you excited. Yes, Jesus, bring it on. Give me everything I want. I really, really want. Sounds like Jesus is really into us. The abuse and absurdity of this interpretation is often applied as a personal promise of health and wealth. And suffering is a sign of weakness, a lack of faith. But the conclusion is me-centered. And the story of the Bible is all about death to selfie. It's imperative not to ignore context of Scripture, who it's written to, the historical content. Because you will create a false theology that will fail you and possibly even shipwreck your faith. Can I be honest? I used to have a shallow understanding of this scripture. I I used to believe if I love God, if I walk with God, if I serve God, then I will never encounter trouble. 
I will never encounter persecution or suffering. Which, by the way, is not true. Because God's word doesn't contradict itself. And the Bible says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy. Let this sink in. Watch this verse. Consider it pure joy whenever you face blessings of many kinds. I wish that's what it said. Whenever you face trials, tribulation of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. You got to grow up, you got to put down the bottle, you got to put away the bib, be mature and complete, not lacking anything. To think Jeremiah 29, 11 is all about what God owes us is heresy. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's not what you think. Tell them again, it's not what you think. Jeremiah was sent by God to tell the children of Israel to make the most of their captivity because God has a plan and a purpose in the midst of your difficulties and distress. God doesn't, always, God doesn't always provide an escape route from our difficult situations. But he does promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise from God. In fact, God said in Jeremiah 29, verses 12 and 13, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In this verse, Jeremiah is addressing a group of people, the children of Israel, who are struggling to understand what God is doing. Have you been there? Hey God, what's happening, bro? What are you doing? What, what is going on in my life right now? In 15 years, I've seen this church grow exponentially, and I've seen the bottom drop out. I've encountered the death of friends and family. There's been days, days I've collapsed under the pressure of pastoring. I've had the air knocked out of me and felt completely crushed by people I did life with and loved with all of my heart. In 15 years, I've asked God, where are you? Where are you? When will this season end? When will this chapter of life end? In 2014, I was ready to resign. I was ready to go back into the business world. That was a lot easier. It was a Thursday afternoon, and I needed to prepare for my message. We were starting a brand new series called 23 from Psalms 23. A series... I put on the calendar one year prior. Let that sink in. One year prior, I put this series on my calendar. And here I am sitting behind my desk, ready to quit, ready to throw in the towel, ready to tap out. And I open up my Bible and I read verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Tears 
started rolling down my face. I read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. And in that moment, I felt the Spirit of God breathe new life over me. The Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. He is my shepherd. And that one-syllable, two-letter word is carries enormous significance because it, it, it implies existence. It's a being verb. God exists. He is. The Lord is my shepherd. Not he will be my shepherd. He is my shepherd. And in that moment, God, God said to my spirit, whatever you need, Daryl, I am. What do you need? I am. This is a promise from God written in the present tense. Do you get that? Do you understand that? The Bible says the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, whatever you need today, he is. Whatever you walked in here with, he is. Whatever you got online with, he is. In 2014, I looked up the phrase, the Lord is, and I lost my freaking mind. I had a spell in my office. And I don't know who needs this tonight, but here you go. The Lord is my avenger. The Lord is my defense. The Lord is my deliverer, my fortress, my helper, my hope, my light, my redeemer. Come on, somebody. The Lord is my refuge, my rock, my shield, and my salvation. The Lord is merciful. He is exalted. He is everlasting. He is slow to anger, the Bible says. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He is Adonai, our master and Lord. He is El Shaddai, our mighty God. Come on, somebody. Give God 10, 15 seconds of praise. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord is our God and there is no other. The Bible says he sits in heaven and does as he pleases. He is God. Amen. Tribulation is a part of training, living out this Christian life. You, you need to understand that when you go through tribulation, it is part of training. It's in the crushing where God develops our character to look more like Christ. There's been seasons where I felt like I was suffocating emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. There's been times where I thought I couldn't take my next breath. Have you been there? Maybe you're there right now. Maybe you walked in here burdened, overloaded with troubles and tribulation. God said in verse 12, to seek me, to seek me with all of your heart. In all honesty, that's the game changer because let's be real, all of us want to be in control because we are addicted to our plans. We're addicted to what I want, what I really, really want. Yeah, come on, sing it. I, I can't do that, but I, thank you. I can't carry a tune in the bucket. I promise you, I can't do it. The first yes 
is easy. Yes, God, I accept your free gift of salvation. I accept your free gift of grace and mercy and forgiveness. But the second yes, to follow Christ, to follow his word and his ways is a different story. Jesus said, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a different story. The first yes is so overwhelming and you're like, thank you, Jesus. But the second yes requires sanctification. It requires being chiseled. It's a different story. The question is, will you still follow Jesus when life gets hard? When life is not what you expected or prayed for, will you still serve him? Will you still follow him? Will you still trust him and surrender to his will? Sometimes God's will requires sacrifice. Did you know that? In the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to experience separation. I don't want to be crucified. If there's any other way, Father, in that moment, Jesus was literally saying, I don't want to say yes. I don't want to do it. But in the crucible of that moment, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Sometimes God's will will not always make sense. Sometimes you have to trust God instead of what you are feeling. Instead of what sounds popular or logical. Sometimes God's plan is prosperity. Praise God. God is a promise keeper. He will bless us. Has he blessed you? Sometimes God's plan is prosperity. But sometimes his plan is persecution. And he wants us to praise him in both seasons. Listen, if you are in a relationship with God, no, let me back, backtrack, hit the rewind button. If your relationship with God is based on convenience instead of a covenant with him through Jesus, your faith will fall apart like a cheap tent from Walmart. I've given God a lot of reasons to exclude me and not use me. But every time God says, get up, I'm not finished with you. Do you still have a pulse? Then I'm not finished with you. And I don't know what you've done in the past or what you might be doing right now. But can I tell you, God uses broken people because only broken people exist. And if you think I'm not broken, yes, you are. Your brokenness is lying. This might seem like next level, but sometimes ministry is made out of misery. The very thing you thought would defeat you, God uses to deliver you. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to shout. The thing you thought God would use to defeat you, he will use to deliver you. Sometimes God will take what was working against you and use it to work for you. I've heard people say, it was good that I was hurt. God used my brokenness. 
I'm thankful God exposed me. I'm thankful I lost my job. Sometimes life feels aimless. Sometimes life is confusing and even uncertain at times. Jesus felt abandoned by God on the cross. If you live long enough, you are going to encounter battles, bruises, hurt, and pains. And sometimes it's Satan attacking you. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. And sometimes the pressing comes from the potter who is molding us into the mirror image of himself. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, all things, not just the good things, but all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to Whose purpose? His purpose. It doesn't always feel good, but it's working for your good if you will seek Him. There's a plan in the pressure according to His purposes, but our questions may never get answered. Let that sink in. There's a plan in the pressure. Have you felt like you're under pressure lately. God's using the pressure for his purposes. And your questions may never, ever be answered. That's where our faith comes in. And we trust God through the, tsunam the tsunam tsunamis of life. You have to trust him. When you can't see what's going on around you. The path to God's purpose for our lives will take detours, unplanned stops. Oil changes, fender benders, have you been there? And running out of gas. And you're going to feel anxious. You're going to run into seasons where you are afraid. You're going to feel lost and abandoned. But you cannot go by how you feel. You must go by what you believe. You've got to trust God's word. You've got to trust God's word. God is with you even when you can't see him. Can I make a statement that might be hard for some of you to swallow? The only way you can withstand the crushing is to trust the hand that's doing it. Or maybe even allowing it. In, in Jeremiah 29, 11, the context, it was written for the Israelites, which means it's not a personal promise, but it's still relevant today. Does that make sense? Let me say it this way. Jeremiah 29, 11 is written for us, but it's not written to us. It was for the nation of Israel, but it's a powerful reminder that God is still in control even when life is out of control. Some things on this side of eternity will never make sense. Will never make sense because God is orchestrating a story we are not privy to. God's ways are not our ways. Jesus never promised an easy life. Read the book. But he did overcome death. And he did say, I am preparing a place for you. 
I want everyone to stand to your feet. Just bow your heads for a moment. As the band comes back and closes us with one last song. If you walked in here tonight or jumped online and you feel like life is falling apart, you feel like you've run into a wall, you've been run over, like the burden is too much to carry, God says, give it to me. I will carry it for you. He promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. And so as our team begins to sing, I'm going to open up this front. And if you find yourself in a place where you need to just get alone with God or you need someone to pray with you, ask someone to come down with you. This is your moment. This is your time where you get to respond to how God spoke to you tonight. If God is dealing with something, don't leave here holding on to it. Respond to the word. Respond to God. As the worship team begins to sing, let's pray. Father, we love you. We pray that you, Father, God, would open our hearts and our minds to you and your word. Father, have your way. God, I speak love and grace and truth and mercy over these people. You are our champion. And we surrender to you tonight. In Jesus' name.